When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Well, thank you very much, Mike Ross, and welcome to Leaf Sky, Episode 26, Season 2. Jim Taddy with you for the next half hour or so. Dave McCarthy from NHL.com, Sirius XM, NHL Network Radio is our guest. Plenty to talk about. And you know what? Before we go down that road with the Leafs, consider this. Two titles are up for grabs in the stacked UFC 273 fight card. Join the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet $5 in any fight and get $100 in free bets. So you bet $5 on any fighter, get $100 in free bets, win or lose, guaranteed. What a deal that is. If Sportsbook is available in your area, no worries. You can still get in on the excitement. Everybody can play for a share of millions in prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy MMA Contest. Draft your lineup of fighters while staying under the salary cap, rack up points for strikes, takedowns, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Throw down $5 on UFC 273 and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's the code THPN this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. All right, on to the hockey story. And on Tuesday night, what the heck was that? A 5-1 lead squandered in Florida against the Panthers. Leafs had to rally to tie it at 6, and Florida won it in overtime 7-6. to six. The night before, the Leafs looked very impressive, defeating Tampa Bay 6-2. to two. And that's that weirdo Florida trip on back-to-back nights. Few people escaped there with two wins, so the Leafs come out of that with three out of four possible points. They have their five-game winning streak snapped, so they go to 5-0-1 over the last six games in response to a loss in Montreal on a Saturday night almost two weeks ago. That's a pretty good response. Am I concerned? Not really, Guy. I mean, there's a blown lead there. There's a blown lead in Boston where they won. But I've said this before many times. This is the result of the first regular season, albeit somewhat still altered with COVID shutdown, since 2019. So it's the first time in three years that everybody's had to play the full 82 games. And again, we had the Christmas COVID shutdown, so it's still somewhat of an altered state. I think people are running on gas here, or they're running out of gas 
is what I'm trying to say, and they're on fumes in certain games. I think if the Leafs play Florida in a playoff series, you might see this 7-6 win by the Florida Panthers on more than one occasion, and it could go back and forth. Would be an exciting second-round series the way things stack up right now, but that's what I'm saying. Let's consider the conversation I had with Dave McCarthy from NHL.com and SiriusXM NHL Network Radio. Okay, Dave, let's start it off this way. Uh, Tuesday nights are, I guess, scary nights for the Leafs. You go back a week ago Tuesday night in Boston, a 6-1 lead barely holds up. They went 6-4. And uh, the re- most recent Tuesday, they had a 5-1 lead. They, they had to rally to tie it at 6, lost 7-6 to Florida. So I guess what we learned out of this is 6-1 works, 5-1 can work, and we already knew that 4-1 and 3-1 were curses. Does that make any sense? And avoid Tuesdays going forward. Yeah, I mean, at this point, that probably does make sense. I mean, how do you even really define what we saw last night? How do you even really zero in on that and assess and evaluate what you saw? Um, you know, it's a good thing because when they when they went up and took the lead that they did of six one. Um, I was very close to tweeting out, given the fact they had just come off a really good game against Tampa Bay. Uh, they played well against uh, Boston last week. I mean, I know it got a little tight at the end there, but I think more, more or less that was just taking your foot off the gas and being a little bit sloppy at the end. But that game never was really in doubt all that much. I, I thought, you know what, man, if they play like this, um, give them credit. They could do some damage. And thank God I didn't tweet that. Uh, because almost on cue, the wheels started to fall off. I should say five on the lead there. Um, but, you know, how how do you even evaluate that? I don't think you can. Um, Florida's an unbelievable team when it comes to generating offense. But as impressive as that is from their standpoint, people say, oh, the Leafs blew a 5-1 lead, all this, right? Okay, well, that's nice. And I know Florida did overcome a 5-1 deficit. But you're not going to overcome a 5-1 deficit if you're Florida in the playoffs regularly. You're just not. It's not going to happen. I've yet to see the team that has been able to score their way to a Stanley Cup. The, it's incumbent on every team to find a way to dial in and defend um, well. And if you can't do that, you have no chance. So uh, what I guess I'm saying is it was impressive from Florida, but I'm not all that excited from their standpoint, from the Leafs' standpoint. I liked what I saw through the first, uh, I don't know, what was that, 25 minutes of the game. Um, and I didn't like what I saw in the last uh, chunk, but I guess if you want to look at the percentages, how likely is that that you are going to continually blow 5-1 leads like that? So. I guess that's just sort of how I'd look at it. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think you could cut that game exactly in half because pretty well the halfway point of the second period is where it turns, and there is some wacky stuff. The thing that I'm going to sort of march forward with is I expect to see a game like this or two in the playoffs. I think this could be a wacky playoff series or run for anybody, and I'm not just going to relate it to just the Leafs are going to go through this. I think a lot of teams are, and you're just going to have to be resilient. You're going to have to be able to flush that and 
not let it leave a mark. I just think it's been such a wacky year. The first time it's since 2019, it's it's the full 82 games, and, and it was shut down with some COVID stuff uh, around the Christmas break. So, you know, it's still not a, a full regular season as we were accustomed to before COVID. It's, it's as close as we're going to get for now. But I think there's some wacky stuff in the air. And, and you know, I, I sort of what, what I'm doing with the Leafs is I'm going back. I've now got a six-game sample size after a loss a week and a half ago in Montreal, and, and they've come out of it, uh, and they've gone, what, 5-0-1. Uh, there's been some moments there that you might be concerned about, but but pretty good response top to bottom, and the team's getting healthy, so I like where they're heading. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think calmness is is the name of the game here today. As you said, 5-0-1, that's a pretty good stretch, and they've beaten some legitimate teams in that. Uh, Boston, obviously, as we mentioned, I thought the game they played on Monday against Tampa I don't know about you, Jim, but to me, that was the best game that they've played all season long. Like, they, they commanded that game from start to finish. They basically gave Tampa nothing of any kind offensively, um, and they seemed to score at will, really. Um, so, you know, if, if you look at that game, to me, I haven't seen them play a better game. Have you? No, that's that's the the game that we always talk about, the full 60 minutes. There's not very many of those during the course of the year. So, I mean, that's the Leafs starting well and maintaining right throughout. That, that's a rare occurrence. The, the last, like the last time I can think of a game like that was, I believe it was the 2019 playoffs. Wow. Yeah, the second, the second time against Boston, uh, game five, where they won, I think it was one nothing if memory serves. And they were legit from start to finish in that. That was the game that Mike Babcock wanted to see them play that he only ever saw them play once. And it's the game we talked about all the time. We saw that, and then they came up. Remember game six, Riley put them up one nothing, and then they folded and wilted from there at that point on. But, but that was a complete game, and I thought that game against Tampa on Monday night was as complete as I've seen this, this version of the Leafs play. Um, really, you, you can't ask for better than that. You play like that, you're going to win a lot of games and into the playoffs, too, against legit teams. You know, the other thing to keep in mind from, from Tuesday night's loss to Florida is that uh, Eric Shogren had to leave midway through the game with an injury. So that, that threw Jack Campbell in on back-to-back nights when he's still trying to get himself back up to, to speed and up and running to his full capacity. And you get thrown into a, a crazy game like that, you know, cold. That's not easy for any goalie. Um, so I'm going to give him a little bit of a pass on that. And, Again, I'm not going to get all, all crazy with assessing the lineup decisions because you got to try things out at this time of the year. And the Leafs are, I think, by and large in a position where Sheldon Keefe can experiment a little bit. Um, but with what I saw last night, the experiment of not putting Ely Labushkin in the lineup must come to an end. Uh, he needs yeah. to be in the lineup. Uh, he, he just brings an element that I think the Leafs desperately need. And it's not to say that Timothy Lilligren hasn't played well. I think he's looked actually really, really good with Mark Giordano since he's come over. And I know some people who like to calculate things tell me that his numbers have, have actually been better than Ilya Lubushkin. Okay, that's nice. But you, you know what I, I get when I get Ilya Lubushkin on, on the ice? I get a guy that's only interested in defending, only. And as good as Lilligren's numbers might be, I still see elements of, oh, I'll take a little chance there. Oh, I'll pinch in here. No, I, I, that one guy on the ice that you can put on, and, and I think he's paired really well with Morgan Riley, actually. I think he's helped Morgan Riley out. 
where it's like, okay, I know where he's going to be. He's going to be around my net. I, if I'm Morgan Riley, I can take that chance. I can take that step here. I know where that guy's going to be or, or whoever it is with the pairing. Um, I think Ilya Labushkin has been outstanding since he's come over to Toronto, and I think he needs to be in the lineup. Guaranteed game one of the playoffs moving forward. You know, I, I totally agree with you. As I saw the lineup going into the game on Tuesday night, I thought, okay, like I, I get you have to see things, but boy, you've seen enough of Muzzin and Hall to understand that, that that's just not going to work, that with all due respect to, to both of them. So, I mean, I, I wanted to see Muzzin with somebody else, and I didn't necessarily want to see Hall. I wanted to see Labushkin in that game. Now, there's plenty of time to ramp that up, but, but what you have, I mean, the Muzzin, return performance with the goal and just watching him out there. And again, you know, it's a precarious situation just to hit away from, from having a problem. And we hope that doesn't happen. But when mm-hmm. he's in that lineup with Giordano and you put Labushkin in, that, that's got, that's got a, a different sort of edge to that, that blue line. And I'm going to venture to say, I don't recall them having an edge like that ever uh, that, no. you know, in the last 30 years easily. Well, it's certainly under this, this, iteration of the team, the Matthews, Marner, Nylander era. Without question, they have not. And you've got guys there that they're they're primarily only interested in defending, and, and that's okay. That's good. Like, I don't need uh, offensive production from every single guy on the back end. That's what you, you're paying four guys 40 million bucks and change for up front. They can get them the puck and then let them go to work. But that, that element of, of um, physicality, that element of pushback, that element of just uh, looking after your own your own net is really important. And I think having guys like that on the ice subtly affects the way other guys play. And it, again, it's very difficult to quantify, but when you know your partner is going to be in good defensive positioning, is not going to get caught, as, as a guy with a little bit more offense, it affects the way you can play. You know, well, maybe I can take a chance there, and I'm not going to get caught. Whereas if, if you don't have a guy like that, well, maybe there, there is a play there to be made, but if you're Morgan Riley, um, you know, you're like, mm, no, I'm going to hang on there. Well, now maybe you've lost a chance. Like it, it really does go both ways. So to have those guys in the lineup, I think, uh, really goes a long way. It, it, the, the thing that I think, Mark Giordano has done really well. And, and Sheldon Keefe said this, I think it was after his second or third game. No, you know what? I think it was actually his first game when he was in the lineup at home. It was. And I asked him what he, what he thought of, of Mark's play. He said that he looked pretty comfortable out there to me. Um, and, and the coach said, well, uh, to hell with his comfort level, my comfort level was really high when he was on the ice, which, which goes to show you that everything was in order when he was on the ice. I think he's, He's played really well with Timothy Lilligren. Um, he, he's played really well. Uh, I think he played one game with Ilya Labushkin when, um, when TJ Brody moved back up with, uh, with Morgan Riley there for a game. Um, so what that says to me is this guy's done a really good job of helping other guys look a little bit better too. Well, who, who needs that this year? I think Justin Hall needs that in his game, needs someone to play with him to help him settle him down a bit. Why not try Hall with Giordano? Um, you could put uh, Riley with TJ Brody because that's a pairing that I think has been pretty good for you know quite some time, over a year now, by and large. And then you could put Jake Muzzin 
with Ilya Labushkin, just two guys that are really only concerned about their own end. And that could be a pretty darn formidable uh, shutdown pair. To me, that's the way I would put it uh, together if I was uh, the coach when it comes to my six blue liners right now. Well, and, and the key to all that is you've got so much flexibility. I mean, the, when you go through the, the, the six that you've mentioned, uh, you can mix and match, I mean, depending on the situation. I, I think that the, the flexibility of that blue line, uh, the puck-moving ability of that blue line, and I'm going to say the thickness of that blue line is, is as good as there is, in my opinion. I mean, there are some great blue lines in the league. This one comes close to it. It, it does come close, for sure. Now, like I'd say Tampa exceeds it, but that's only because they've they've shown me in the playoffs they can get it done. But the potential is certainly there with Toronto. So I, I totally agree. I mean, if you just work off the the, 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 the pairings that I put out there, like I, I don't think you really, in that case, should be afraid to put any pairing on the ice at any situation. Now, obviously, you will try to get certain pairings out against team's top lines, but my, my point is if you end up getting caught or the other coach is desperate in terms of line matching, I don't think if you're Sheldon Keith, then you need to get in your own way by trying to outmatch the other coach. I think you can be comfortable with whoever it is you have uh, on the ice because you've got, look, Riley and Brody really don't need much more said about them. We know what they're capable of. I think they've been Toronto's best parent for quite some time. Um, Giordano, is a guy where whomever he's played with so far has really been able to settle things down. And if he can help Justin Hall do that as well, and being a veteran guy, just you know, speak out there as well, right? Just say, look, I need you here. Just go, all that type of stuff. Um, and, and Giordano's, I think, really good at communicating on the ice. I think that's a, a pairing that, you know, you, you shouldn't necessarily be afraid to, to see on the ice. And I think Muzzin and, and Labushkin, uh, could be a pairing that would be, you know, really nice and heavy in front of their own net. Um, not afraid to knock people down. Like the one thing I loved about Florida watching them every time I watch them is when Radko Gudis is on the ice, someone on the other team ends up on their butt in front of the net. Oh yeah. Right? And, and that's great. Like you need that. And I think really Babushkin, I don't think he, he's quite as wires crossed a guy as, as Radko is. Uh, by the way, Radko, one of the, the best guys off the ice that I've ever dealt with. No joke. Like, he is one of the nicest guys who'll ever come in contact with. But on the ice, he's, he, he, his wire's crossed, and you love that. And I don't think Lobushin's quite like that, but I think he does embrace that level of physicality um, and, and, and that level of um, just making the other team pay a price in front of his own net. So between him and, and Muzzin, I think that could be a really strong pair. I'd love to see them get a look at that in the next uh, 10 games or so here. Dave, when I look at a team that, that's going into the playoffs, if I'm going to be confident about them, I, I have sort of a layered approach. I like layers. So we talked about the layers of that Leafs blue line, and I really like it. And that because it's layered, it sort of helps the goaltending. And I'm pretty comfortable with with Shulgren and, and and Campbell. You know, and I think that the game against Florida proves that Campbell could go back to back, and there's no risk of the injury as, as it appears. So from the blue line, and I'm pretty happy with it. Let's go to the the, the forward unit. I talked about layers. Matthews and Marner, one layer, and then the the other attack that that really has developed is Engvall and Mikheyev, shorthanded. Yes. Uh, th- those two tandems could be a real problem for somebody in the playoffs. Well, totally with you, um, and not just shorthanded, obviously shorthanded, but at even strength they've been pretty productive too. Like I think Mikheyev has 
he came back into the lineup um, when when he did there right after the wrist injury in the preseason or the thumb hand injury. I guess he broke his hand in the yeah. preseason and and got out to a really good start. Then there was a dip in his play a little bit, uh, but he's trended right back upward. And I think he surpassed him where he was when he first got back into the lineup. Um, so he's become a threat to score. He's used his speed effectively. He's gotten to the front of the net. Uh, he's taking guys wide. Like he's he's using his skill set to his advantage now, which which is great to see. I mean, everybody doesn't have the shot that Austin Matthews have, but but look, Matthews doesn't have the speed that McKeon has, so he's using that to his advantage. He's being really productive uh, because of it. Um, Engvall as well has been tremendous both at even strength and shorthanded and, and I think the other thing is in splitting up uh, Nylander with Tavares where that line had really gone stale uh, suddenly you, you've got uh, a line now of, of Camp, uh, Nylander and Engvall that has been pretty good defensively and uh, has been able to chip in and it's brought the Tavares Mikheyev line with Kerfoot back to life uh, funnily enough, almost as soon as Matthews got suspended and Tavares had to take on some more responsibility, uh, he's come back to life. So now you're getting scoring throughout your lineup, and you, you're not going into games just thinking, man, if Martin or Matthews can't get anything done tonight, where are the goals going to come from? Um, you're getting contributions from elsewhere, so so that is good. And I'm, I'm with you. Layered, a layered approach is critical. You need three lines, man, in, in the playoffs you're going to win anything if you don't um i don't care how good your one line is uh, a good team and ultimately you're going to run into a good team if it's not in the first round the second round in the third round or certainly the cup final that can game plan against one line and take them out of the series and then that's why we see you know so many examples uh throughout the course of history of 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 guys with you know, less household names, shall we say, becoming heroes in the playoffs because the the top line is, is taken out and it becomes the grunt guys lower in the lineup uh, that are able to ra- raise their game and chip in when it matters most. And, and that's where a guy like Engvall, uh, a guy like Kerfoot, a guy like McCann, um will need to step to the fore and, and be able to chip in. You don't need a goal a game from them. Um, but you need a goal every now and again from four or five different guys. If you can get that, you put it together, you know, you're, you see where I'm going here. You're kind of getting yeah. a goal a game out of one of those guys, and that helps drive your team forward. i, I got to say, as we speak right now, my only concern, and it's not a major one, but I, I don't like the, the, the makeup of this line, is the fourth line. I like Blackwell. Um, I find that Simmons, Clifford, and Spezza are sporadic. If Kasha comes back and is, is uh, moved in there, that that solves a lot of that. They're watching Marchman play on Tuesday night. That was when the Leafs let get away. I mean, th- this is exactly what they would need on that fourth line. Yeah, I think that's the uh, the payback for uh, the Zach Hyman trade from Florida, right? Where they uh, where they robbed Florida of Zach Hyman for absolutely <laughs> yeah. nothing. So yeah. it's like, okay, we'll just rob you back of, of Mason Marshman for Dennis Mulgan, of all people. That was one they'd like back. And I mean, it's tough, right? Like, I didn't see this out of Mason Marshman when he was here. Like, I really, really didn't. Um, so can you fault Kyle Dubas? Like, sometimes it's just really difficult to project and the opportunity 
isn't uh, isn't there, uh, because he doesn't get the chance, he doesn't develop into what he is now when he was with you, and now that he's in Florida, because he got elevated in the lineup a bit, you know, one thing led to another, and then away you go. So it's it's tough, but you're right, man. Would you ever love to see that guy back in the lineup because he can score? He's mean, like he's the perfect bottom six guy that can move up your lineup if need be. Uh, I love everything about the guy. So when it comes to the fourth line for Toronto, yeah, I'm with you. It has been relatively ineffective for quite some time. Uh, you know, we all love Wayne Simmons, but for a long time now, he's seen the step or two behind the play. Uh, his hands have not been there really uh, at all. Um, and and he's, he, he's not really impacting the game all that much. I thought he was, uh, when, when, when did they play at home here uh, last? Last Thursday, uh, when they played against Winnipeg. Yeah. Uh, when, when Sheldon Keith sort of put that, that trio on notice of the morning skate, uh, Spetsa Simmons and, and, uh, and Clifford and said, look, we've got some guys that are a leg up on them. Blackwell, for instance, uh, where if they can't elevate their game, they're going to get passed by in the line here. And I thought, I thought they were pretty good. Simmons uh, impacted the game physically a little bit, um, which was good to see. And if he's going to be in the lineup, he's going to have to do that. Question is, will, will he be able to, to catch people to hit them, right? Like that's, that's a concern right now. So um, as it stands, you know, we've seen Abrazizzi for a couple of games. I can't say that to me he should be even um, an afterthought in the playoffs. Like he should be a no thought in the playoffs unless desperate measures um, uh, approach. I don't think he's ready at all for the NHL. I didn't notice him really once. Um, I, I just you shouldn't be in the lineup ahead of a guy, a veteran guy. Yeah. Um, so the, the way I see it right now is Blackwell's in there. Uh, Kasha, you know, who knows if he's going to be able to come back. Um, if if he does, I, I think they should try and get him in there. And then I think you you need to get Spets in there. I, I think at least to start to see what he's got. I'm not saying you owe it to him as a veteran, but I thought last year against Montreal, he was one of the guys that raised his play and was consistently pretty good in that series. I think he has that potential uh, to raise his play. It's tough to assess sometimes a guy who's 37, 38 and uh, game 41 in late December or 57 in, in early February. Like, what does it matter to him? It matters to him when he's in the playoffs. I think he's a guy that, that will understand the gravity of the moment, will be able to raise his play. I think he can help you on the power play a little bit. And I think he's really useful when it comes to winning draws uh, as well. Um, so I think there's some versatility there. That, that's what I'd, I'd have. I'd have uh, Spezza, Blackwell, and, and, and Kasha if, uh, if he's back. And if not Kasha, then I would go with Simmons for the time being to see if he uh, is able – um, to play a role that impacts the game in the first game or two of the playoffs. Dave McCarthy, thanks very much. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. Last minute of play in this podcast. All right, thank you, Mike Ross. Time now for a look at split yes guy, no guy on the way out. Concerned about blown leads in Boston, but a win and a blown lead in Florida and an overtime loss. I'm going to say no guy. As I said earlier in the podcast, 
This is the result of an altered state. It was still not uh, the regular NHL as it was three to four years ago. So you're going to see this game once in a while. What the Leafs can say about that is in those two games, even though there's big lapses where they don't like, they got three out of four points. So I'm going to say no, guy, and, and I'm going to add this proviso. You will see this game in the playoffs. You wouldn't have in the past, but you will see it more than once. Yes, guy, no, guy, number two. The Leafs blue line went totally healthy now, the best it's been in many many years oh yes guy jake muzzin returns against florida gets a goal and all of a sudden labushkin doesn't play healthy scratch this is a stacked blue line with all kinds of veteran presence all kinds of offensive upside all kinds of physicality couldn't tell you the last time i said that about elise blue line yes guy no guy number three the Matthews-Marner combo will do well in the playoffs. This is an emphatic yes guy. I don't think these guys can be denied. Oh, yes, you can do the history lesson. It hasn't worked before, but this time it will work. That's an emphatic yes guy. Speaking of one-two punches, yes guy, no guy number four, Engvall and Mikheyev, a great one-two punch in the PK with respect to scoring goals, and that might be unstoppable. I'm going to say yes guy to that too. Oh, Mr. Positive today. Yes guy all over the place because I think the Leafs are going to do all right in the playoffs. Yes guy, no guy number five. You are playoff optimistic. Oh, yes guy, I am. The Leafs have a certain resiliency they didn't have before. I'm not predicting a Stanley Cup here, but I am predicting advancing through the first round. So the final yes guy, no guy has to be concerned guy. No guy, not in the least. Hope you enjoyed Leafs guy episode 26. Hope you come back next week for episode number 27.